There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. When I got up this morning, I did what I always do. I made my coffee and then I took Henry, he's my little 20-pound ball of white fluff, out to do his duty. It was a gorgeous morning and it took me several sips of coffee to get my mind focused on the fact that this was not a normal, picture-perfect spring day in California wine country. In reality, we were about a week into shelter-in-place by order of our local government. In fact, we were among the first counties ordering residents not to leave home except for certain essential purposes. Now the entire state is under the same order, and I've lost track of the staggering number of American citizens elsewhere living under similar and once unimaginable restrictions. Luckily, as a journalist, I'm fortunate in that I am permitted to go to my studio, but that's it. It's sobering when you realize the impact of these restrictions, but every life we save is a victory that we share. Now, since when is my beat, I want to share some incredible numbers concerning its economic impact and why it's great to see how this, like so many other industries, is finding creative ways to survive this terrible catastrophe. A study three years ago by John Dunham and Associates of New York reported that the wine industry supports 1.4 billion jobs and pumped about $220 billion into the economy. Other growth estimates show that you can comfortably add on an additional 30% growth in winery jobs alone since then. So, as we look at just the economic impact of what are termed non-essential industries like wine, we absolutely have to consider the hundreds of millions of Americans who depend on employment to survive. These massive numbers underscore how important it is for all industries to reinvent themselves as necessary to make sure that the massive number of jobs they create will largely be there when we can all go back to work. To that end, few organizations work harder to protect jobs and the economic impact of the industry they serve than the Wine Institute of California. They've got satellite offices all around the world to protect this segment of the economy, and I am so grateful that they often join me as a voice of wisdom and optimism, even at critical times like this. So joining me today is a familiar guest on my show to help us understand what this particular industry is facing and what's being done to protect their contribution to jobs and the economy. On the line with me is Nancy Light. She's the VP of Communications for the Wine Institute. She's, first of all, a very lovely person, very talented in what she does. She does so much good for not just the California industry, but just the wine world in general. And Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Great to be here. I'm up all night long trying to figure out how whatever talents I have could be used to try to help people because it's not about selling wine anymore. You know, we're in a very serious crisis. 
That's exactly right. I think I think we have to um, see, as you say, how we can help one another and how we can, you know, think about the best thing we can do right now, which is to do everything we can to stop the spread. And I think I feel very proud of the wine industry and of our state for taking action early because that's what we have to do. It is very scary, and I think we will come beyond this, but we... We have to look at what we can do right now, and we talk about sustainability. How do we sustain not just the wine business, but all of our related businesses, the hospitality business, restaurants, you know, through this period? How can we all support one another so that when we're over this, and we will be over this, we can all be functioning again? One of the things that I was reading about this morning was, and I don't know why it popped in my mind, but I was thinking about, of all things, Las Vegas, You know, here's one of the most dynamic cities in America that is, you know, probably the number one hospitality city, certainly in our country. And monster casinos, you know, closing down. And when you think about just how much of an impact they have on wine, these are very wine-centric places. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of wine consumption that's just stopped. And that is a situation repeated large and small all over the world right now. All and, over the world, absolutely. You know, and, and something that I mentioned a moment ago, and I think it bears repeating, is this. And actually, I should say this first. This morning, I was watching a news report. And somebody who I have great respect for on one of the major networks said something that absolutely infuriated me because they were talking about government bailouts of businesses. And this particular person, I don't want to say who it is, it's pointless, but they made the point that bailouts should only be for essential businesses. In other words, we're talking about airlines and grocery stores and things like that, as if other industries are not important. And yeah, I I will admit, absolutely admit that wine is non-essential, that we we could probably survive without it. But what we can't survive without is the literally millions of jobs that it provides. And I don't care whether you're an assistant in a wine cellar or you're a cellist in a symphony orchestra. You know, who is to judge what is essential and non-essential? It is all about the fact that we all have to make a living. And, you know, many of us have careers that were an extension of what our families did. Are we going to be that draconian that we say, I'm sorry, but we're going to help these people, but not these people? You know, it's all about providing jobs. And wine is a, a very important cultural element here in America. And, you know, imagine Italy, the number one wine producer in the world, Mm -hmm. what they're going through right now, we have to look at the whole picture and the fact that really decent people who have children, who have obligations, who earn money that is then spent on those essential services are in terrible trouble. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, besides just the jobs, you know, tourism, just California as an example, hospitality is probably one of the largest industries. And, you know, the wine industry is at the center of that, both with our visitation to tasting rooms, as well as the revenue that we bring to all of those businesses from, you know, hotels coming into town visit conventions or uh, going to restaurants or visiting wine country. We're all interlinked here, so you can't really pick winners or losers. And, um, you know, I I couldn't 
agree with you more about that. Um, just for the record, this is this is an old statistic. We haven't done it. There are almost um, 800,000 jobs related to wine, generated by wine in terms of economic impact no nationally. Well, that, and that's just wine. If we look at, for instance, the airline industry, well, how much of the money spent on the airlines is spent on people going to place, you know, I, California, yes. they may be going to the Finger Lakes, you know, they may be going to Portugal, they may be going to Italy, you know, let's speak about this as a world family. Every job is important, and I don't want anybody telling me that a particular job is more important than others, but we also have to look at the big picture. And I'm not in any way trying to say that one industry is more important than the other, but what I do want to say, and I, I think it's the theme of this particular show is, I'm focused on the wine industry, you're focused on the same industry. In order for people to save their jobs, to save their companies, we have to adjust to a very different world order right now. And that means that businesses will have to reinvent themselves. You know, it would be absolutely horrifying to think that people just put up a closed forever sign on their door, whether it's wine or it's music or it's art or whatever it might be. I think the first order of business here is how can we salvage whatever we have in this very bleak environment? And you know, to that end, as you know, in most areas of California, I mean, the governor has issued an order that tasting room activity and events should be ceased. That was as of last week. And, and so in, I would say in the majority, are certainly our recommendation, those activities have, have ceased. Um, wineries are still permitted to offer pickup, purchase and pickup in some cases if they're open. And of course, to continue their normal business operations in terms of, you know, the vineyard still needs tending. The wine still needs to be dealt with and bottled and, yeah. you know, other essential marketing operations. Operations will have to continue to go on. So again, when this, you know, when we're past this crisis, and, and I would add also that people are drinking wine in their homes. People are home. They're cooking. They're getting takeout delivery. And in fact, um, the ABC has said that if restaurants have the license, they can also deliver wine. So those all, you know, are something to keep the wine industry going. One thing I wanted to point out about the governor of California, he's a winery owner, and I'm sure for him, it was a very tough decision to shut down tasting rooms because he's hurt by it as well. And, and by the way, I own a tasting room and I've been shut down for, for seven days and I'm happy to do that. We're going to take a really quick breather and we'll be back with more mm -hmm. Grape Encounters. My guest is Nancy Light. She is the VP of Communications for the Wine Institute and we'll return right after this. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. 
Back with Grape Encounters Radio and, and somebody that I have just the greatest respect for. She is Nancy Light. She is the VP of Communications for the Wine Institute. Uh, you know, I could I could talk for hours about what an amazing organization this is. They've got offices all over the world, and you know, they're all about um, you know mostly promoting and advocating for the California wine industry. But so much of what they do helps winemakers really all over the world and they're just wonderful people to work with i've been so so fortunate to have forged a friendship with them because you know they've sent some wonderful guests to me we've covered some amazing topics but never and i mean never have we ever had to deal with anything like this not even close Nancy, I was thinking about um, this challenge is incredible. And yes, I'm, I'm focusing on the wine industry because that's where, you know, my profession is centered around that. Yours is as well. I mean, other people who are in other professions will certainly be having similar conversations, and that's the way it should be. But what are you guys dealing with at the Wine Institute. Now, I'm talking to you at home, right? You are. So we are uh, based in San Francisco. Our, our headquarters office is, and um, all of our offices had a, a work-at-home option for a while, but we are under order to, uh, under shelter-in-place order, so we're all working remotely. And, you know, what we're just trying to do right now is we've been in this position where there's new information coming in every day, um, new orders by county as well as from the state. Um, and so we're just trying to get information out to our wineries on what, you know, from a regulatory point of view, what they have, what they can do now and, um, and, and any information resources we can give them, both in terms of their employees and in terms of just keeping their businesses going. So that's really what our focus has been, been on. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, most of them are uh, still able to be open for purchase and pickup. They um, are still continuing with their, you know, business operations, implementing, of course, all the safety measures for their employees in terms of social distancing, cleanliness, um, you know, no one coming to work if they're sick. So just we're, we're really just trying to make sure that everybody has the resources and best practices. As you said, this is such an unprecedented situation. What haven't we thought of? You know, somebody's going to go to do something or need something, and, and that will be a new need. So we're just trying to stay very close to our membership and um, inviting them to be in constant touch with us. I, I'm I'm really, really, really amazed by how, you know, people in this industry, and by the way, you know, people in other industries are, you know, they're sitting at home and they're trying to figure out, do I roll over and die or do I try to creatively try to do what I can do to, you know, salvage whatever, you know, that can be salvaged in our industry. And, one, you know, one of the things that I thought it was my idea, but then, you know, a week later, everybody else was talking about it. And it's um, virtual wine tastings where wineries are sending out wine and they're just doing tastings, you know, basically online. You know, we've got to get super creative, but it also gives people a certain connection to normalcy and things that take away the, 
extraordinary stress that we're all dealing with right now. It's like you should have some things that you do in your life that are fun. And if you can't, you know, go do the things that you used to do, whether it's, you know, going to the movies or, you know, getting together with a group of friends, well, you know, we all have a right to try to figure out how to keep some happiness in our lives. So good good on them for doing that. Um, are there things that you're hearing that are, you know, creative measures that wineries are taking to just try to salvage what little they will be able, able to salvage? Well, I absolutely. I think that some wineries certainly are trying to offer, you know, special um, discounts for shipping and so forth. And I think we'll see a lot more of that. As you said, people kind of doing some kind of, you know, virtual tastings and other ways to connect, um, you know, people that are part of wine clubs or like to visit wineries often know the people very well, the, the family sometimes or the people in the tasting room. And so they're connected and they want to stay connected. So I think they'll increasingly be looking at ways to continue to connect with what would be their community of customers and um, and then be a, a service to the community. I mean, I think the wine industry is always the first to step up, albeit, you know, with the restriction that they don't have normal operations. God, um, you know, to see how they can be, can be um, you know, assisting others and others in the community. Nancy, what a good point that is, because, you know, there are uh, events like the um, Napa auction and, uh, you know, a number of uh, events like that that I'm involved with. I've been involved over the years uh, with Wine Song in Mendocino County mm-hmm. that that generates money for the only hospital that services a huge area. If the industry suffers these events that generate amazing amounts of money to save lives will suffer too. I wanted to address one thing that you mentioned, which is that a lot of, if not most wineries are trying to continue to ship wine to consumers. And something that was really concerning to me was, can you transmit this virus by shipping packages? So I spent one night reading every ounce of research I could possibly read on this. And I'm going to say, I am not a doctor, but the consensus of research says that it's a very low-risk thing to receive a package. And they were even talking about packages from China. Now, does the virus live on packages? Yeah, it can for an hour or two, but that's it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would suggest if you're concerned about it and somebody brings a package to your door that you've ordered, you might want to just say, just leave it there on the porch for a little while and, you know, come back two hours later, you know, with rubber gloves on and bring it in. I think most businesses are taking, you know, extraordinary precautions um, to ensure that nobody, you know, is sick, but also to make sure everything, you know, sanitation is um, beyond intense. And then in addition, you know, if you want to be careful, but I think it's correct that there's not a concern uh, about things that we have shipped or delivered to our home. But I get why a tasting room is shut down because, you know, you and I have both been there. There's a crush of bodies up by the bar. We're literally, we are physically touching each other. These are busy places and you know what? We've got to do our part. Please don't take my word for it. Do your own research. And when you feel comfortable, either place an order or don't. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And it's just a matter of us all trying to be as careful for consideration of one another. It's about the more people. And don't forget, we're under also a, a total recommendation of not congregating of more than 10 people. So, you know, this is it's really about taking the steps, as you said, David, now 
so that we're not confronted with a much bigger um, emergency in terms of being able to provide critical care yeah. uh, than you know, we're already going to be facing. Okay, Nancy, stay with me. Nancy Light, she is the Vice President of Communications for the Wine Institute. And by the way, I'm going to have on in the last segment of the show a young woman who produced and wrote a, a song called Honey Wine that is just... I listen to this song, and it brings the most enormous smile to my face, and I I just find it so happy and wonderful that I had to track her down, and I was able to do that, and she's going to actually perform this for us on the show. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. We're back with Grape Encounters Radio doing the kind of show that I hate doing, but I get to do it with somebody who I have the greatest respect for, Nancy Light. She is the uh, Vice President of Communications for the Wine Institute, which, you know, I, I, I'm not sure we would have a wine industry in California, let alone the rest of the country, if it wasn't for the amazing work that these folks do. And Nancy, you have to be stressed to the max right now. What are the kinds of uh, phone calls you're getting? You know, again, we're just trying to provide people with guidance on can I open my, can my employees show up today, you know, to, to deal with the wine that's in the tank? Um, what Can we have people come and pick up wine for their wine club? Um, and just all the other, you know, business questions that people yeah. have right now. So it's really the basic. Um, and I, I think, you know, we'll find out as we go further other, other questions that will uh, be coming up. Um, but right now it's just about how do we keep our employees safe? How do we keep our community safe? How do we keep our business sustainable? You know, through this, so that we have a business um, for a place to come back to, yeah, to come back you know, to in a month yeah, or two right. when we're recovered from this or in the recovery mode. So, two things that I'd like to touch on before we go, and that is Wine Month and also sustainability, because that's such a mantra for California wine this time of year. A conversation like we're having today would be about Wine Month. And Wine Month is where everything about California wine is put out there for people to enjoy. There's an endless number of events everywhere you look. The wineries get so creative with these events. It is such a wonderful celebration. And so much of the celebration surrounds the commitment that these winemakers in California have for, you know, sustainable practices. And it's all canceled. So what happens now? So what happens now? Well, we're still going to celebrate, you know, April because it's kind of tied to, to Earth Day, you know, which has been going on for many years around the world. We created, a, you know, it's, this would be our ninth year that in April we're focused on California wine's leadership in sustainable wine growing. Um, and that is environmentally, so that's everything in the vineyards and the winery. That is community, meaning every employee practices everything. And that is also the third E is economic sustainability. And that's really, I think, what you and I have been talking about most yeah. of today. So, yes, all of the events have been canceled, but in their place, we reached out to our wineries and asked, are you having any kind of special 
special offers? You know, do you want to highlight your green practices, any of your certifications? Um, you may know we have currently in California, 85% of all wine produced is produced in a certified sustainable winery. And about 40% of our vineyards um, is, are produced in certified sustainable uh, vineyard operations. And that's the largest commitment to sustainability of any wine region in the world. And it's growing. Yeah. Um, and that's not including acreage from organic and biodynamic, which are also part of the green practices. So we have a lot to be proud of um, in this state, and we want to highlight those wineries. And so we'll be doing it um, virtually this year. Um, we will be able to host people at wineries see it firsthand, but we'll be talking about it and uh, and providing any special offers that they may have. We do have a page on Down to Earth Month. Um, if you just Google that or on our Discover California Wines website, we'll be posting, you know, in place of events, we usually have a very full event calendar, not just for Down to Earth Month, but beyond, but we'll be posting any kind of special offers that wineries may have, shipping discounts and others um, that they're offering just so that they can, you know, people can find those if they want to support wineries, they want to order wine and maybe get some good deals. We'll be, we'll be featuring that. So, so so one of the things that I didn't even talk to you about, we are developing a – it's a subset of our website where we're trying to make available information on virtually any wineries um, and not just wineries but restaurants, people in hospitality that are trying to cope with this crisis by offering very safe opportunities for people and we're going to you know, hopefully have the largest index of the, those kinds of opportunities available. It's a, it's a monumental task in terms of getting it all put together but uh, you know, es- essentially how it works is that a winery can just go on to our site and they'll be able to just fill out a little form online that will indicate what they're doing, where they are, what the the special opportunities are, and then, you know, folks will be able to do that. And we'll actually screen those just to make sure that they certainly comply with what the government is asking us to do right now. So I can't even imagine how the wineries are, I mean, the amount of disappointment that they feel because they prepare for many months. Do you have any plans um, to try to bring this back? In other words, providing that, you know, the crisis does eventually subside, uh, w- will you try to to make up for what was lost or is it just a, a total loss for 2020? Well, I think we probably won't do the April celebration again, but we will, you know, we're like you said, Dave, we're trying to find creative ways to support our members. So, um, throughout this. So I think, you know, when we can, um, we're going to be getting prepared for that time when we can move forward with, um, you know, really robust promotional communications programs to support California wine. And I think I want to say I, that will definitely be by the September harvest. And I hope, you know, well before that, but, but until then, we're going to you know follow the guidelines and be as creative as we can be, as you said. And that's, it's a time to pause and it's a time to not abandon the things that give us pleasure and are good for us, our exercise, enjoying a meal. So we take, we can take a little bit more time if we like to cook, we're lucky, you know, but even ordering simple, simple food that can be assembled or uh, supporting restaurants, but ordering in. And if we were wine drinker, having a glass of wine with that, that's something we can keep in perspective and keep uh, our days feeling a little bit more normal. Um, and, and then I think also just thinking about how we can help one another, you know, what way beyond the wine industry, how do we help our neighbors if we have people that um, may be vulnerable, can't get out, you know, I think this is the time for that kind of thinking. That's such an important message because, you know, so many of us with our busy lives don't spend as much time in the kitchen as we 
we used to. This is a time to really reunite with the things that brought you joy in the past, you know, and we're all being forced to slow down right now. So bring the kids into the kitchen and teach them your cooking skills, you know, slow down when you drink a bottle of wine and you really think about what went into making it and, and try to appreciate the fact that you're not going to really see as much of those things that bring you simple pleasures as you used to. They're not as accessible. So you're going to have to get creative about maintaining a certain amount of uh, normalcy in your life that understandably been taken away from you. And and I, I would never be so brazen as to say, oh my God, I can't have wine anymore. Oh my gosh, I can't have this or that. You know what? We're all losing a lot, but you know we, we need to cling on to the things that do bring us a certain amount of happiness. And no, more than anything, protect your family, be with your family. Let's get back to being human and not be so materialistic. But at the same time, let's remember that there are a lot of people depending upon us, you know, doing everything that we can to, you know, keep the wheels going in this country and, you know, supporting one another and, you know, volunteering, whatever you can do. But we got to get creative. That's really the bottom line here. And as far as the Wine Institute is concerned, Nancy, you have a great consumer site that people can go on. There are just an awesome amount of recipes there where, you know, people can get really creative in the kitchen. Can you just talk about that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So it's our Discover California Wines website. And it's, um, as you said, we have kind of monthly recipe. We also have a blog and we have, you know, we, they're California um, sort of fresh produce driven um, preparations, you know, a lot of ethnic influences in that. So really fun. You know, there's, there's, there's dozens of recipes there um, with wine pairings and also information on uh, varietals and California wine regions. Yeah. So that, you know, you could probably spend some time just going around and looking at, at what's new and interesting, but also the recipes, I say, would be really key. And I've I've made a number of them, and they're really good. All right. Well, Nancy, we're going to have to uh, keep you guys on as a at least a semi-permanent fixture for the time being, because I, I want to keep getting information out, at least on the industry that you and I are involved in. I, I, a challenge to our listeners, okay? Do me a favor. Write me. You can go to grapeencounters.com. There's a contact form there. It will come to me. Tell me what you're doing to, you know, kill time and make your life a little bit better during this, this horrific crisis. And I'll, I'll share your thoughts on the air. And again, we'll try to provide you with education and uh, diversions that have to do with the industry that we love so much. And, you know, we'll all get through this. All right. So uh, we're going to uh, change gears here for the last segment. I'm going to introduce you to an amazing artist. Her name is uh, Kelsey Rotiers. She wrote a song and produced it that absolutely almost brings tears to my eyes. It's so beautiful and I think it'll cheer you up. That's how we want to leave things here on the show. Okay, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Get out your hanky. This is going to just it's going to warm your heart. Oh, and by the way that reminds me, we use Kelsey's song as the opening music for our other podcast, our sister podcast, which is called The Wine is Talking. We cover some other subjects you won't hear on Grape Encounters Radio. So I want to encourage you to go to thewineistalking.com. You know, if you're sitting at home trying to find things to do to entertain yourself, well, hopefully you'll spend a little bit of extra time with us. 
So check it out, thewineistalking.com, and we'll be talking to Kelsey Rotiers, my new favorite artist and my new best friend, when we come back right after this. of us who produce lighthearted shows like Grape Encounters know that circumstances sometimes dictate that we keep it serious. But it's times like these that we also need a few minutes of escape from the trauma to stay in touch with what makes us truly happy. That music that we just opened with is extremely special to me. There was a night a few years ago that I was really struggling. I was editing the show, searching for music. Nothing was working for me. And as the clock ticked past 3 a.m., I felt completely lost, just as many of us feel today. Then I spot this song on iTunes I'd never seen, Honey Wine by Kelsey Rotiers and the Rising Tide. I clicked on it, not expecting much, and my spirit went from creative despair to total exhilaration. I must have played that song 20 times in a row, and I kept thinking to myself, this is how I want to make people feel about wine. Now, several times I used short excerpts of Honey Wine on Grape Encounters, but as we expanded deeply into the podcast world, licensing issues caused me to only use royalty-free music, which was a big compromise, but a financial necessity. Now, flash forward to a couple of months ago. It's the middle of the night again, and I'm scouring through a subscription online music resource, and I see this piece of music also called Honey Wine, and I'm thinking, not possible. Click, two notes, and I'm stunned. I immediately make it the opening music to our sister podcast, The Wine is Talking. This time it has a very prominent role, and I'm concerned that maybe I'm the only one so totally moved by it. Wrong. I get emails and comments galore. Who is that? Where can I buy her albums? She's amazing. Well, it became my mission to find this mystery artist, and I dug deep and called her with just one purpose, to tell her how special her music is and to simply say thanks for lifting my spirits when nothing else could. This is a very special artist. Her kind heart is as lovely as her music, and she's with me now, and I know she's going to lift your spirits at a time when we need special people like Kelsey the most. And Kelsey, there you are. Hello. It is such a pleasure to have you, and you know, everything that I just said is not hyperbole. Honestly and truly, people have just been very moved by this song, and I know people are out there buying this album. And, and when was the album originally recorded, Kelsey? Originally recorded in 2009. 2009, so we're talking about 11 years ago. Do you get a lot of positive feedback about the song? I haven't. I'm so pleased that it's just so, It's it just serves exactly what you're doing, just exactly right, you know. Um, I've gotten a lot of 
positive feedback over the years. So it's a real treat to hear how much you enjoy this one and your listeners. But you're not making a lot of music right now because you took a hiatus to raise a family. So you and your husband have a couple of little ones, right? And yeah, yeah. I took a hiatus and I was at the time uh, having some health problems. And so touring was just not realistic for me. I also think that people discovering my music like this wasn't as well known to me at least. And so I just thought, well, if I can't really tour and get out there and I'm having these issues, I've got to figure that that out. So is that that changing now? I mean, you've got the family thing under control. Uh, It seems like you've got your health issues behind you and you've been looking toward recording again and getting out there. Yeah. It's always been in the back of my mind to relaunch my career as it were, but I knew that I, I had to be involved in music on a daily basis. And so, So when I stopped touring, I started really focusing on teaching and I teach music to many lovely students. And so that was, has been my focus for a long time. That's kind of what I've been focusing on, but yeah, the health issues are definitely so much better. You know, now we have two kids. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered if you might have a guitar there. Can you do that? Just so happens. This is the first time I get to see you perform. And I also want to tell you that given the world that we're living in right now, I just have this idea that maybe we could do a little house concert online and invite all of our listeners and the rest of the world to tune in. I would totally do that. Yes. It it doesn't pay well. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It pays in spirit. (laughs) All right. This is making my day incredibly happy here. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, here we go. Ready? You bet. Thousand fears. 
speechless. I'm for the first time ever, just speechless. I can't tell you how much that gave me the chills. Honestly, how wonderful. Uh, that is just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Thank you for that. Oh, you're honestly. so welcome. I'm, I'm just so moved and touched by it. Let's give yep. you a plug. It's easy to get the album. It's Kelsey Rotiers and the Rising Tide. For all the happiness that Kelsey has given me and our listeners, go spend a few bucks and and buy the album. Kelsey, thank you. We love you. We love you. I I wish you so much success. Kelsey, I'll see you later, okay? All right. And the rest of you will hear us next week. Love and love.